This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Podcasts. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. Boys are back, back. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is Reception Perception the Show. What's cracking, everybody? James Kell, Matt Harmon here with you. Episode number two of the Reception Perception Podcast. Matt, how you doing, pal? James, I'm doing good. Uh, I'm back from Florida. Great trip. Uh, it's the great state of Florida. Florida, man. That uh, yeah, well, if you're watching the show on YouTube or any of the, the clips, which you should go check out with the individual sections on my YouTube page, you'll see I've got a, a little bit a little bit of pink uh, to me. But that just means I've been on vacation. That just means I had a the last little bit of summer fun before the season officially, the tidal wave comes and washes us over. And, uh, you know, we don't see any other friends or family until maybe – January, February, but um, I, I keep saying it. I'm, I'm so excited about this year. I'm so excited about this season, yeah. not just because of all the wide receiver movement, but you know, James, I actually we're taking us off, off, off topic here for a second, but I very early, very early, but okay, it, well, it's on topic. It's about wide receivers. <laughs> okay, um, I looked at, okay. I looked at this last week when uh, doing my wide receiver preview for Yahoo before going to Florida and 19 of the top 40 wide receivers in Yahoo's ADP will be catching passes from a new primary quarterback this year. Wow. That's between wow. <laughs> it's bonkers, right? That's between, crazy. between guys that have changed teams and then guys that have had their quarterbacks change over, you know, there's just right. a ton of wide receiver turnover. We talked about on the first episode and then, and here too, man, it's just, it's wild, and so I think this whole season is going to be so fun to see how all these situations play out. Can we start on Justin Jefferson? Because I've been trying to tell people, listen, you got to get Mike Zimmer's boomer-ass offense out of your mind. You know, because we, we've we grown accustomed to it. We, we've become – it's like we're used to it. We're used to seeing that purple, and we're used to thinking, okay, there's rosy-cheeked you know, Mike Zimmer on the sideline <laughs> calling run plays every single down. No, that's not going to be the case here. Brand new coaching staff there in Minnesota. Yeah, brand new coaching staff. And you mentioned it, the boomer offense with Mike Zimmer. They were not, they weren't running out of like progressive formations, right? I mean, I think the thing here that's going to be so different between the coaching staffs that were around uh, the the Kubiak bros, uh, actually father and son, so I shouldn't say Kubiak bros, (laughs) but the Kubiak contingent. And then even like Kevin Stefanski before that, um, they were running a lot of like two tight end sets, not a lot of 11 personnel looks. So Justin Jefferson, I think, is going to be moved around the formation more. You know, he's talked about playing in like a sort of Cooper Cup role. We talked about Cooper Cup on the first episode, how much he has 
I still think it's the most unique role in the entire NFL, what Cooper Cup does from a wide receiver standpoint. And look, you know, I, I don't think that Justin Jefferson is going to be in a full Cooper Cup type of alignment. You know, I don't think he's going to be doing no. the same sort of stuff from a run game perspective that um, Cooper Cup has done throughout the course of his career. You know, that being said, he can still be schemed into more layup looks, right? That's the difference between Cooper Cup and some of these other receivers. Cooper Cup's run against zone coverage so often. He's been able to get away from press coverage so often through the course of his career. And I think we'll see a lot of that with Justin Jefferson this year. You know, Kevin O'Connell is the new head coach for the Vikings coming over from the right. Rams coaching tree. Um, man, it, I think it's a huge difference for the entire offense, right? But Justin Jefferson is a, is a full-blown superstar. So we might this is what's so crazy about I, I, we, Cooper Cup coming into last year. You know, nobody had him as a as a top three receiver in the game. Now, if you make a top no. three receiver NFL list, people are coming for your ass if you don't have Cooper Cup. Right? That's the difference that a bump like in quarterback play or bump in scheme can do for a receiver. You know, we might know at reception perception, and and our our subscribers might know just how good these guys are isolated from quarterback play. But, you know, folks around the NFL, even even like diehard NFL fans, it's tough to separate the quarterback play and the wide receiver play and the system and the wide receiver play. You know, you mentioned Justin Jefferson not getting an upgrade quarterback, but it is an upgrade at the in the play calling standpoint. But, man, I, Justin Jefferson, does he even need it? Like he's already he's already a full blown star to me. He is. Uh, there's no doubt about it. You know, I, I think for me, when I look at Justin Jefferson and you look at his new surroundings there. OK, Kevin O'Connell, fine. 30. What is he? 37 years old. Yeah. 37 years old is Kevin O'Connell. And then the OC there is now the son of the son of bum. And we're talking about Wes Phillips, a third generation NFL coach. My God. God. Wow. Um, but but we're talking about two guys with Kevin O'Connell and Wes Phillips. They're both quarterbacks, right? Or yeah. former quarterbacks. They played the quarterback position. So Kevin O'Connell was drafted like not that long ago in the third round by the I Patriots. Know, I mean, he, I know. he did crazy. He did nothing in the NFL. He, he washed out of the no. league. But um, yeah, he was like one of the young guys that Brady Thanos like years ago at this point. <laughs> <laughs> just 37 years old, man. I mean, that is impressive, but no, the bottom line is they're going to throw this damn ball around. Do you know what I'm saying? Outside of Cooper cup? I don't, I do not have a wide receiver ranked ahead of Justin Jefferson in fantasy football. And that bleeds over into the real world too. You know, like you can make a case that Justin Jefferson might end up being the best, just the best receiver in football period. Period. I'm not. I'm not even talking about fantasy. I'm talking about real right. life too. He might end up being the best receiver in football in 2022 when all is said and done. That's how high I am on this new system coming in, into place and them moving Justin Jefferson around and potentially using him in in an offensive scheme that could be a little bit more creative than last year. Totally agree. Um, so let's dive into some of the RP metrics for Justin Jefferson that show just how good he is. And I think, you know, you talk about him potentially being considered as the best receiver in football at the end of this year um, and how he kind of already has an argument to be among that group anyways. 
some of the RP right. metrics on Justin Jefferson. He now owns multiple top 20 seasons all time in success rate versus press coverage at 82.3% and 82.8% mm. in his first two years. At a 78% success rate versus man coverage and clearing 85% success rate versus zone, he's entered some rarefied air now in his second season. These are some of the other three players to hit the, or excuse me, these are some of the other players to approach all three of those benchmarks in RP history. Stefan Diggs, Michael Thomas, Odell Beckham, Antonio Brown, and Devontae Adams, who I think right now is is still the best receiver in football. But like that's some incredible all time company for Justin yeah. Jefferson, and he's in his second season. Man, like that's the thing that's here. What's, that's what's so crazy. I don't think he has a. <laughs> so I don't think he has a hole in his game, Justin Jefferson. I think he is a. Like he had, so, he had a few moments last year where he he dropped the ball too much, but we know that's like kind of fluky and not sticky year to year. Um, he wasn't right. great in contested situations last year, but he was great as a rookie. I just think from a separation standpoint, from a route running standpoint, he's already one of the best players in the NFL. Period. Right now, I mean, I think if you're right, if you're drafting like a, a hypothetical team to like line up on Sundays. I'm not talking about a fantasy team. Like, I think Justin Jefferson is going to be one of the most valuable non quarterbacks in the NFL because he's already that good in his second year. And I think his third year could really be the year where he establishes himself as an elite player. If he isn't there already. And I, I kind of think, you know, based on 78% success rate versus man, that's a 94th percentile score. I think he's already in that group anyways. Yeah. I mean, you talk about, you know, those benchmarks you're talking about, you know, 78% success rate versus man, you know, 85% success rate versus zone coverage. There's only in last year. And again, you charted what uh, 60, no 56 wide receivers uh, that I've got in front of me. We, we got more guys dropping soon, but 56 right in front of me here, uh, just one of four players yeah. to be able to clear those benchmarks, right? So, and it's Devontae Adams, Stefan Diggs, and a man we will talk about. How about just, let's just get into it right now. Deontay Johnson. <laughs> My God. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, I w Deontay Johnson continues to be a very confounding player for me because I'm with you. Obviously, everything you kind of see on Sundays, everything you see in terms of the game tape, it's like, yo, this dude's good. Yeah. Like, just straight up good. Like, you don't need to put any qualifiers on it, but people put qualifiers on it all the damn time. You know, it's like, oh, well, he's a byproduct of a system. He He's a byproduct of a Hall of Fame quarterback. And it's like, bruh, if, if anything, he was dragging Big Ben's old ass, you know, for, for the past couple of seasons, my guy. Like, Deontay Johnson is a bad boy. Yeah, um... I actually had a really good debate with about Deontay Johnson with Evan Silva on the established run pad podcast a couple of months ago. And, you know, he's like, I hadn't even really considered that big Ben might've been the one holding Deontay Johnson back. Yes. And I think that that's not kind of the mainstream thought, at least maybe in fantasy circles, because, you know, folks think that like, there's this, I'm not going to get on like my, um, soapbox about wide receiver stats, or at least maybe I'll put like, 
I'll put one foot. I'll okay. put one foot on it. You know, I'll put one foot on the all soapbox. Right, I won't right. fully get on it, but every single stat that wide receivers uh, accumulate yards, touchdowns, catches, all that stuff. But even like average depth of target yards per target, all the things that we think are like more advanced wide receiver stats, that stuff is all like the quarterback bleeds into that. That the quarterback is a huge variable. I think average depth of target is sometimes a player stat, but it's oftentimes like a quarterback stat, not fully, you know, is, is some of these guys aren't suddenly going to become, you know, they're not going to go from five to 15 most likely or something like that. For a guy like Deontay Johnson, who's had a rather low average depth of target, what do you, why do you think he might have had a lower average depth of target? Have you watched the Steelers' <laughs> exactly. offense over the last couple exactly. of years? One of the, exactly. the the most hopeless play in football last year was Chase Claypool getting targets on go routes on the outside from Ben Roethlisberger because uh, some of that's a Chase Claypool problem, but a lot of that's a Ben Roethlisberger problem. So they were using Deontay in this way, like these pop gun routes, these Mickey Mouse routes in order to just get the ball in his hands and kind of keep the offense moving. And honestly, Ben is such a limiting factor because there's so much that he just won't even do. Like he won't go under center. He won't do play action under center. He won't turn his back to the defense. He's not right. doing any of that like pre-snap motion stuff that Matt Canada's offense actually really likes to do. So I think whether the quarterback situation is better or not in Pittsburgh is like a, a question to be asked. But I think the f- fact that Ben was so limiting as a quarterback is a, is a huge talking point that doesn't get mentioned enough. But yeah, when you isolate Deontay Johnson through reception perception, the guy gets open at all three levels. Like he didn't go under the NFL average success rate on any route last year. He was at a 90. That's he crazy. was first. That's crazy. I know. Right. Like, and that's the thing. And, and if you just look at his, route success or route percentage chart like he's not just running little pop gun routes like he's running go routes a decent amount. he's running down the field more often than you think and I think that's the key with Deontay Johnson like he might not have the raw targets that he had last year going forward like 160 150 plus but if he's at like 140 and they're coming in like the intermediate area as opposed to just like these little screens these little quick drag routes stuff like that that's a win for me I, I think he's a legitimate well, I, he might not be a legitimate number one receiver, but he's right on that bench. Like he's right on that benchmark from a success rate versus coverage perspective. He's he's really really good. He gets open against all forms of coverages. He was number one in success rate versus zone in 2020 and number two in 2021. So uh, he just to me is a really really good player that I don't think gets enough credit uh, publicly. You know, just again using reception perception data, man. There's you can't talk about your top five wide receivers using analytics without talking about Deontay Johnson. He's in that conversation. And I tell you what, he is not just top five. Like he is cemented in the top five in my mind. And again, you go back to your success rate um, on, on different routes. He, you know, third highest success rate on the slant route. He had the highest success rate that you charted on curl routes and the highest on post routes. And, and that post route to me, I thought was an interesting one, right? Cause this is again, a deeper route uh, that you will generally see. And he was extremely successful, you know, going up and over the top. So listen, number three on the dig as well. So short intermediate, you know, long, the dude's doing it all. You talk about a success rate versus man coverage versus zone coverage. Where does this get, where, where does he have a hole in his game? Show me, I don't see it. I, I do not see it with Deontay Johnson. I think folks will talk about his ball skills for sure. He, he, he's had some yeah, he's, the drops. He's had uh, some drop issues yeah. here and there. Um, 
you know, it, last year. But but last but last year was fine. Yeah, La- last year was fine. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, it just – there were a couple moments like in the playoffs where it came back to bite them in big moments. But that does, stuff does is not sticky year over year like we've said. And he really worked on that a lot. Um, and this is another thing too. Like Ben would throw the ball to Deontay. He'd drop the ball and then he'd go right back to him. You know, he'd go right back to him the, on yeah. the next play. Um, so I, right. I think that's just – that's a mark of, of skill. Um, the, the one thing I'll say too – Chase Claypool was terrible last year. He was. I, people um, give me a lot of feedback, James, that I'm too positive. Yeah. Um. And <laughs> you are. You. To be fair, you are pretty positive. You know, you're. You're. You tend to see on the. You know, the rosier side of things. You know what I mean. Yeah, maybe only when it comes to wide receivers. Um, <laughs> but when I when the two most underperforming players last year in reception perception were without question. Chase Claypool and Kenny Galladay, just terrible last year in isolation, Awful, right? Especially Chase Claypool. I think Claypool is going to move into a big slot role, like the preseason kind of confirms that, and that's good news for Claypool. I think he needs to play in that type of role going forward to, to be successful. George Pickens, man, George Pickens, though he's good. He he's going to be really good. Third in success rate versus press coverage among the prospects charted. Um, I think he's got a chance to mix this receiver core up, and like in a couple of years, like we might be talking about a one A one B type of situation with Deontay Johnson um, because I think Pickens can Ooh, be that good. Wow. I mean, and let's be real here. There's no better team in the NFL at scouting wide receivers than the Pittsburgh Steelers. So listen, if they spent decent draft capital on Pickens, I don't care what any of the numbers say. I'll, I'm going to trust the process, okay? And the Steelers are so good at finding wide receivers. Randomly, the one guy they like really whiffed on was like James Washington, and he's like a Bolitnikoff winner. I know. You know what I'm <laughs> that kind of so, funny. Like, well, they had they did so take random. Sammy Coates kind of high that one, the one year when there was oh that's right a ton of good uh, receiver prospects or at least a decent group of guys, and and Sammy Coates was not good ever like ever and was never going to work out so. That was a tough look. But you, 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 I mean, you think about like the their later round picks, you know, like Antonio Brown, yeah. I, even Deontay Johnson, you know, to a degree. It was a third. It's, it's just they they just been so good at, at finding wide receivers. So man, I'm gonna trust that process right there.